Welcome to Empowering Connections, a podcast by Connie Akins, a licensed professional counselor with a private practice to help you heal your personal and professional relationships through counseling advice, tips, and ideas. Empowering Connections will focus on healthy ways to improve these relationships, help you manage your stress, and attain a better sense of self-fulfillment. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today I have a special guest with me. Her name is Dr. Melanie Ricarte, and she is the Clinical Director of Harmony Holistic. She is also a licensed psychologist, ASEC certified sex therapist, and an ASEC certified sex therapy supervisor. Dr. Ricarte is fluent in both Spanish both written and spoken Spanish, and she welcomes the chance to speak with and work with Spanish-speaking clients. She is an advocate, an educator, and a therapist who focuses her work on issues related to human sexuality, marriage equality, and human rights. Would you like to say anything else about yourself, Dr. Ricardo? Thank you, Connie, for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, yeah, so just a little bit about more about my practice. So we're located in Bethesda, Maryland, and soon to be expanding into D.C. And we love just in general to work with diverse clients of all ethnic, cultural, racial backgrounds and religious backgrounds. So that's a lot of the areas of our um uh, a focus of our practice is really on diversity, working a lot with the LGBT community, and as you mentioned, a lot with couples and and around sexuality issues. Awesome, awesome. Today we're going to talk about sex therapy, and I was curious because I'm a therapist myself, but I don't practice sex therapy. I'm not certified to do that, so I don't pretend to do something that's not an area of expertise, but because sure. I realized that couples have issues around sexuality, around companionship, around physical touch sometimes. Yes. And because I work with couples who um, sometimes have lost their sex drive in their relationship. So I just thought it would be an interesting topic to talk about and let people have more information about what sex therapy is, because I think that people have ideas about what it is, but that's probably not what it is. So I want to ask you um, the very first question, which is how, what is sex therapy and how does it work with couples? Sure. So sex therapy is um, pretty neat in that it really is about anything related to human human sexual functioning, right? Whether it is for an individual or a couple. So in sex therapy, people often come in to talk about anything from how to um, connect to themselves um, more effectively, sexually understand their body, understand their anatomy, their sexual functioning, um, if they're struggling with sexual pain or dysfunctions, um, erectile dysfunction and ability to orgasm, um, but also when it comes to relationships, right? Just how to connect to somebody else at that physical level. And that's where the couples therapy comes in, where a lot of it might be about reconnecting to a partner sexually, working through trauma one partner or both partners have been traumatized and want to better get um, 
get through that and cope with the trauma, uh, get a better understanding of sexual trauma as well. But a lot of it is really about the joy of sex and sexuality. So a lot of sex therapy is about joy and, and connection and um, both physical and emotional intimacy. Awesome. So I know it must be challenging, but um, is there an example of a reason why a, a couple would come for the sex therapy other than maybe one partner is um, not functioning properly? Um, sure. I mean, oftentimes it's um, it can be more complicated than that, where it's not just about one partner, but let's say, um, you know, kids come into the picture and, you know, months start going by where the couple has been tired and stressed and they just haven't connected sexually. And then all of a sudden it's two years later and there's been no sexual intimacy. So couples often come in because they want to reconnect that way. Uh, Sometimes there's just um, differences in sexual desires. Sometimes there's differences in, um, in sexual orientation, right? And and something that one person might have discovered later or understood better about themselves in the relationships. A part of the uh, couples therapy might be about helping partners better understand their sexual desires, sexual orientation, compromise around that, find uh, other ways to potentially remain in their relationship if monogamy is not the right option for them any longer. So it it's often not necessarily just about the the physical intimacy, but about exploring all sorts of aspects of identity in terms of sex therapy. Okay, so I think a lot of times we focus on the the physical part of sex therapy. So how, how does sex therapy actually work? How does it work? It varies from person to person and couple to couple. So, um, so if somebody comes in and it is about... Um, a sexual dysfunction, for example, the, the treatment may be briefer, right? It might be um, just a few sessions where they come in, let's say, for 10 sessions and uh, you provide them with a, or I provide them with a few different readings and uh, strategies for homework that they apply at home, right? As a sex therapist, I think some that, that's where some of the misinformation might be, you know, no touching of clients, nothing <laughs> live in person, but um, providing them with techniques that they might be able to practice at home for how to better connect with themselves. And we also process anxiety or depression and the way that might impact our sexual functioning. Well, for other people, especially if it's a, an issue with identity, for example, it might be about exploring family background and, and desire and past relationships and current relationships to really help them figure out um, more about their di- identity and who they want to be as a sexual person or um in connection to others. And that's along the lines of where it often is for couples, where it is about each person better understanding themselves, each other. So that might be a much lengthier process and, you know, a few sessions where somebody, you know, gets some psychoeducation maybe about their bodies, techniques to practice at home. Um, well, in other cases, it's a, a pretty in-depth process about exploration of messages and, and um and family background and where they'd like to be going forward. Okay. I, I know that a lot of times um, I think sexuality does, it's, 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 what am I trying to say? I think that sexuality, we learn it from our parents or 
you know, the background of what we were told or the messages that we were given. And so I think that's what I hear you saying about clients come in and they have maybe a distortion even about their sexuality or a lack of acceptance about their identity. Um, It could possibly be based on their family uh, background. Exactly. Yes. So I'm going to ask this question. What makes sex therapy a taboo topic? And I know that when I was a child growing up, and, and this is a, I don't want to talk about my mom, but she would say, um, she wouldn't say not have sex, but she would say, keep your legs closed. What does that mean? <laughs> you know, it wasn't like an explanation of sex. And I feel like people are afraid to talk about sex. And so why is it taboo? I think that's what, what it is, kind of what you described there, this sense that it's supposed to, sex in general, it's supposed to be something that's not really talked about, right? And that um, individuals and couples are supposed to keep to themselves. So in our society, people learn about sex if they're lucky at school, if they're really lucky, their parents explain a little bit more about that, Um but a, a, a big percentage of our society and our population just has so little information about sexuality and even less information about pleasure and, and connection in that way. So I think it's very much a taboo topic because from the time we're very young, as you described, it's like you're not supposed to really talk about it. It's this thing that that is awkward and weird and um, vulnerable. So then when you're thinking about sex therapy, it follows that even more. So it's that idea that, okay, this is awkward and vulnerable. And now I also have possibly an issue around this awkward, vulnerable topic. How do I do, how do I do uh, anything? How do I move forward when this is just such an awkward issue for me? Yeah, I think it's awkward for a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. It's even awkward for couples when they come to therapy to to say what's bothering them. Um, right. And then, like you said, we, we've grown up, at least in my generation, where people really didn't talk about sex at all. And society is much more open now, but I still feel that there's a taboo around it, even, even though it's open, you know, right. people are still trying to hide um, different parts of themselves and so, so how do you get help around something that you're not even really supposed to talk about? Right. That's a very challenging um, thing. And so an, another really um, interesting question for me is, is sexual addiction a real thing? Because some people say, no, you're just over hypersexual or um, never going to be satisfied. Um but is, is sexual addiction something that's actually real? So the way um, the field has moved uh, recently is towards the idea of out of control sexual behavior. So moving away from the words uh, sex addiction and more towards out of control sexual behavior, which specifically means that um, it's a wider term where for a lot of people, it's so much more layered than than thinking of it as an addictive behavior because sexuality is such um, an innate part of being a human. 
So as compared to a substance, for example, uh, trying to do away with sex, right? Or saying, okay, now you have to be just abstinent or never have sex again. Like, how do you tell a human to, to just say abstain or never have sex again? So a lot of the research is moving towards the idea that out of control sexual behavior is often about attachment. So attachment, mood disorders, impulse control disorders. Um, it's very tied to, for example, out of control um, and um, obsessive compulsive uh, disorder. Uh, so in terms of considering the layers, now what happens is when somebody comes in with compulsive behaviors, it's about exploring what may be beneath that. Is the person using sex to cope with uh, a painful attachment? Is the person using sex to cope with stress? Is the person using sex to cope with trauma, right? So it is by targeting maybe the what's underlying all of these different things that you help the person with their out of control sexual behavior rather than thinking, okay, this person just an addict, here's the 12 steps that they need to do, but instead, what else is going on? And if we target that, then we're targeting the whole person and the person may not no longer experience, you know, sexuality in this impulsive way or compulsive way. Oh, wow. Interesting. Because, you know, we've heard a lot of famous people have sex addictions and you know, I, I like the way that you said it. It's out of control sexual behavior versus they're addicted to it. And because it is a part of being a human being. Um, so I guess uh, the next question that I have is how does pornography affect relationships? Um, specifically like the marital relationship. Oh, it depends. Like for a lot of these things, it really depends. For some couples, it can be a fantastic thing. It can be a way to connect, to um, get creative. There's a bunch of different pornography websites that, for example, are geared towards women where they're high budget and well filmed and um, highly focused on sensuality and they're more erotic and artistic and um, and they also provide psychoeducation for example they might have blogs and they might have readings and and uh, how to <laughs> you know compared to let's say the typical porn hub so I think uh, like any tool or, or any, um, any media out there uh, for some people can be really helpful and useful. And then for others, it can have the other aspect where if it is used in a way where um, a person's watching a lot of videos that are focused on um, being objectifying of women in a really degrading way or objectifying of people in a really degrading way, right? So it, whatever we observe over and over again becomes a message that we begin to internalize. So when I, um, there's this wonderful book that's actually called uh, Ethical Porn for Dicks. <laughs> and it's all about ethical pornography, right? So it is like about, you know, paid side versus the free sites and the paid ones usually again are high budget the the, the artists are are well paid they're not going to be um uh, involved in the uh, sex trade industry or or with minors and so on so 
that's that's kind of my viewpoint on all of it so much is about how it is used and for many couples yes it's wonderful and so that's why i'd often suggest go to one of these other sites read this book um consider these other options if you're going to be bringing in pornography into your relationship okay the interesting thing about that is what if it's a relationship where one partner is into the pornography, but the other partner is not into the pornography, then what would you suggest? So that's about dialoguing with one another. So uh, I would want them to really explore the why beneath each of their viewpoints. So for the person that, that really doesn't like the pornography in the relationship, what's beneath that? What messages have they received about pornography? What pornography have they been exposed to? For example, have they do they even know that there's pornography that's available, for example, that's highly focused on women and sensuality and eroticism in this way? Or are they thinking, oh, it's only about... Um, uh, objectifying people and and women and so on or is there jealousy right oh it, I consider this a form of cheating if you're looking at other, these other people and masturbating to it you know I, I feel like it's cheating for the other person what is it about is it about independence is it about fantasy about exploring and connecting with their own self in their own time so I would want each partner to really openly explore what it means to them and bring in empathy, right? Empathy and compassion without judgment and without vilifying either person's point of view and basically take it from there, see how they each um, then take in what the other person's opinion might be after bringing in some empathy into the equation. Okay. So we both know that we've been living in a global pandemic for like the last eight or nine months. It feels like forever. And so I want to know um, from your perspective, has the pandemic impacted intimate relationships? Um, I know there's been an increase in abuse, but what about the sexual relationship? Oh gosh, for sure. Um, we are getting more couples calling us than ever before, right? Before, I think in our practice, it was a pretty about equal mix between individuals and couples clients. But now I would say something like 60 to 70 percent of the calls we get now are more from couples rather than individual clients. And I think a lot of that is um, even if you were someone that you love passionately, but you're with them 24 <laughs> seven, it begins to impact your relationship and possibly your desire. And I think a lot of what happens is in, in being together with someone for so long, uh, some of the things that come up are, are people are now having conversations about things they probably didn't even discuss before. So whether it is about desire, whether it is about attractiveness, a lot of people are, are gaining weight, you know, as being in the pandemic and um, maybe not even showering as often or changing clothes. And there's all these different <laughs> things that are impacting physical attraction and, and, and connection and, and so on. So we're getting, uh, I think the pandemic has really impacted uh, romantic relationships. Well, also on the other hand, I've seen several clients for whom being together this much has actually improved their relationship and that talking more 
Um, they're talking more about useful things and connecting more emotionally and feeling more relaxed and they actually have more time to watch movies and go for walks so some couples are doing better too so it's not everyone but <laughs> some couples are doing better okay so dr ricardo what are some tips for couples who are struggling with sexual concerns what type of tips would you give them so um ideally set aside. So if you start with anything, make time, make time to at a minimum, sit down once a week, even if it is for 15 minutes, one day a week to touch base, to sit across from one another, uh, whether it's during dinner with technology set aside or after dinner with a TV off and ask one another, how are you feeling about us, right? What are the things that are going well? Um, how are you feeling about our physical relationship? Uh, is there anything you'd like more of, less of, right? Just a regular check-in. I think people get into this routine of, of just um, complacency in a way of, of being used to a specific way of interacting with one another and they remove relationship consciousness out of the equation. And what I mean about relationship consciousness is on a regular basis, asking yourself, how am I doing as a partner? How is my relationship going? And so you're consciously making choices about how to better connect with the other person rather than kind of um, in a zombie-like way in engaging and, and continuing to exist. So consciousness allows you to have the relationship that you want rather than something that's just like floating into the into the nothingness without without having choice. Okay, that's excellent. So now what would you tell an individual that was struggling with sexual concerns? Similar to what I might tell a couple is begin to explore your body and know who you are and what you like. If you've never taken a mirror and observed, you know, your vagina, your, your vulva, your, your, you know, your inner workings or, or played with a sex toy or done much reading about sexuality and, and uh, try to explore who you are begin there begin by first looking in the mirror and exploring your body whether it's in the shower some alone time with some mirrors take some time to explore yourself and begin to understand what kind of touch you enjoy what's pleasurable to you and then if you have a partner begin to do that with that person too awesome awesome so that was a lot of information and <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and, and talking about sex therapy. And for my audience, Dr. Riccardi is going to come back again and we're going to talk some more about sexual intimacy and emotional intimacy. So how can uh, the listening audience follow you on social media? And, and once again, where is your practice located? So my practice is located in Bethesda, Maryland, and um, our practice website is weareharmonyholistic.com. So if they want to, you know, uh, take a look at the website, learn a little bit more about that, they can find us on um, through our website and then uh, at Harmony Holistic on Facebook. So um, we're not on, on Twitter or Instagram, but we do have a Facebook page and it's Harmony Holistic. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome, awesome. Lastly, are there any recommended books for an individual or for a couple that has a sexual concern that you could recommend for us? Yes, I love, love Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are. It's a wonderful book, um, especially for women to explore their sexuality, learn about themselves, patterns in relationships, uh, physiology, anatomy. Wonderful, wonderful book. Um, in terms of relationships, um, I love The State of Affairs by Esther Perel. She is fantastic. And I would honestly see, say read all her books in terms of sex therapy, couples therapy, and and, and just learning more about um, yourself as a, as a couple, as a partner. That's I love Esther Perel's work. And I would also um, recommend the book, um, Sex at Dawn. So that book focuses a lot more on um, kind of human sexual uh, evolution and, and how that has uh, shifted and changed over time. And it kind of go, goes back to some of our roots. Wonderful book in terms of understanding human sexuality and, and functioning and, and broadening your perspectives on that. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. And ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to pick up one of the books and Dr. Ricarte and I will have another topic soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Connie. You're welcome. The Empowering Connections podcast is not intended to replace the need for a professional counseling relationship. This podcast does not constitute professional advice or counseling services. As always, if you need mental health services, please seek a qualified mental health provider. You can find Connie Aikens on the websites Psychology Today and Therapy for Black Girls. If you have an iTunes or Spotify account, please subscribe, share, and continue to listen. Feel free to check out Connie Aikens' website at www.empoweringserenity.net. And follow Connie on Instagram at Connie Aikens LPC. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. We appreciate you listening to the Empowering Connections podcast and providing feedback. Stay positive.